0: And yes, some people may be disappointed because you couldn't do everything, but the world will keep spinning, you know? Yeah. People will find a way, so you, you do the best you can, but you have to live time.
1: What's up, beautiful people? Welcome back to Human to Human, season four. So glad to be back together again. Human to Human, season four is brought to you by the Revolt Podcast Network. And this show is a space to reimagine self-love, strengthen interpersonal relationships, and peel back the layers of the human experience, one conversation at a time. Now, to break that down, it means we're gonna laugh a lot, we're gonna cry a little, we're gonna learn some shit, and we are going to expand. I'm so grateful to be your host, Stacey Ike, and I've really missed you guys. There's gonna be a few new elements of season four. For one, I'm gonna be doing solo episodes this season. Really looking forward to that. And if you haven't caught on by now, I love to reflect and books are one of my favorite ways to do that. So all of my recommendations are now going to be in a storefront for you to purchase at bookshop.org slash shop slash Stacey Ike. Your support there supports the podcast here, so I appreciate you in advance. OK, let's get into today's special guest, Nigerian artist and actor, entrepreneur and politician, Benki Wellington. This episode means so much to me because we got to shoot this in person in Lagos, Nigeria, earlier this year. And please believe me when I say that I'm going to go back to Nigeria and capture more moments like this because it was incredible. You may recognize Banky from the romantic comedy The Wedding Party or from his incredible music career as an award-winning writer and artist. But in addition to those things, Banky and I moved through a very honest conversation about his journey getting into politics learning true communication through his wife, and battling skin cancer three times. Before each episode, I like to share a song to add to your playlist, a book to check out, and a reflection question inspired by the episode. So let's get into it. This week's Song of the Week is made for you by Banky himself. This week's book is A Particular Kind of Black Man by Tope Falarin. And while you're listening, reflect on this question. What is your love language, and how can you give more of it to yourself before acquiring it from others. Now, let's get human to human with Banky Wellington. Quick disclaimer, guys, this episode was shot in person in Lagos, Nigeria, with the help of my mom and my sister with really, really short notice. So please forgive me for the audio. It is not at the highest level, but if you can connect to the conversation, it's a gorgeous conversation. I promise you'll be able to connect to this. So again, pardon me for the audio. Thanks for rocking with me. Enjoy. Enjoy.
0: You just said something so important. Do you identify as Nigerian American? Right. Um, so, first
2: of all, obviously,
0: I'm in Nigeria, right? <laughs> you know, I'm a Nigerian, it's my heritage, it's my home, it's my heart, it's where my wife is, where my son is. I'm from Lagos, I'm from Calabama, my mom is Calabar. my dad is from Lagos. I spent most of my growing up years here, um, and it's where I am till today, it's where I've invested not just from the family's perspective, but also from business um, standpoint, the, from the service to the community standpoint, from the connections to the community standpoint, all of that is extremely important to me. I also have a really am grateful that I'm American as well. Um, it's a country that I love. Um, actually, my parents and all of my siblings all live there um, till today. So I think I just I, I've been really fortunate to have the best of both worlds. So I'm I'm fully Nigerian, but I'm also fully American. So it's just like a bonus on top of And I'm going, I don't need to wait for a visa. <laughs>
2: that.
0: So it's I just I'm grateful to have that dual heritage. Yeah. Um obviously I'm doing a lot more and I'm, I'm a lot more connected to the Nigerian side now. Um, but I spend Quite a bit of my time every year. I make sure that I, I go to America as well and keep
2: that connection yeah. very strong. Both yeah. sides, so, we'll, we'll so it's it's so amazing to hear you say that because I also identify as Nigerian American, mm-hmm. but most of my upbringing, my entire upbringing is in America. Right? This is my too. You get, yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm. I'm also listening to your and I see how you said, well, We met. Switch button. Absolutely, you do. But I also recognize. I'm like, is it? It's like you have this in the middle accent. It's like right, right there where it's like, yep, I lived in America, and yep, I lived in Nigeria. Yes. Person that I put on an accent when I'm here, because I understand that an accent is also a a song a really? bit, right? So when you're resonating with somebody, you want to resonate a song and be able to Actually, with them. Absolutely. So that's really amazing, but. I have been in my discovery phase of what Nigerian-American means to me. A big part of this trip was how much does it translate? You know, I'm raised in an American, in a Nigerian home in America. Mm -hmm. I have an American name, but I have an Igbo middle name. Mm -hmm. I don't hear my Igbo middle name often. Mm -hmm. I see how you, you know, I, how you, when you introduce yourself, you always say your full name, but then you'll make a baby. And and I'll just be like, wow, that's really cool. So we both identify as Nigerian-American, but, how are you experiencing your dual, dual nationalities? Are there parts where you're feeling it's harder to honor sometimes? Is it is it easy? Is it confusing? Do you ever think does it translate? So um I think I, I don't know that I
0: see it as hard or I've ever really seen it as hard because it's always been who I am, right? So it's I've always been, you know, about Collie Wellington also known as Banky, you know, my, my father's nickname is actually Banky as well. So I got that nickname from him. So I've never really seen it as hard. I think where I found it hard in the beginning was when I really started recording, I was still based in the States, right? So in the beginning of my music career, I would kind of record R&B music or R&B sounding music and then go back to being... Nigerian and American. But then when I was writing, because my inspirations at the time were like, you know, the Ushers or you know, back in the day, the Boys to men mm-hmm. or the Kelly musically speaking, and some like that. Mm-hmm. Um so so when I started out making music, I was making music sounding like that, and I just didn't know how to infuse being a Nigerian with my art. And I struggled with that for a while. Mm-hmm. And then I met L D, who is uh just a legendary um, musician. He's kind of not really in music full-time anymore. He's in business and and tech and all these other things. But at the time, he was one of the pioneers. And when I met him and I listened to what he was doing, for the first time, I, I heard somebody being able to fuse being a Nigerian into kind of American sounds and making it something completely fresh. And that completely opened my mind up to say, oh, so I can still take, you know, R&B or soul or pop or whatever and just infuse enough of Nigerianness into it and then it becomes something that nobody's ever heard before because if it's just R&B, you have a million people in the States that can do that. But if it's Afro-R&B or Afro-B, or Afro-pop, now you've, you've, you've created something that is completely unique, it's completely fresh, it's creative, it's different, it's authentic because it's who you really are, it's who I really am. Um, and that, I believe, you know, what we were doing at that time, thank God, opened the doors for a lot of the younger people who have now taken Afro Beach to a completely amazing level, you know, heights that we never reached, you know, places, platforms that we never had access to, they've, they've taken it there. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know it started from the lds and the and the uh, two-faced DBs and, and the divas and Mohits and banchies um, and one day and myself and emma and you know just that generation of people who took global music but infused enough of our africanness into it to make it something different and make it special I mean, i'm grateful that we were able to play a tiny role in opening the doors for this new generation so when you see what you know David and Burna and Wiz and Kiss Daniels and Techno and even Tiwa mm-hmm. and um, all of these Tams, all these amazing mm-hmm. Nigerian artists and you go out of Nigeria even in South Africa you with know, the nasty seas and um, you know I, I start running into trouble if I don't name
2: everybody.
0: But <laughs> I think it's it's powerful what African music represents today and what they yeah. to do with it. Mm-hmm. I'm just glad that Somewhere in the foundation, you, you were able
2: to play a small role and just open the door and wide enough for us to come in. Yeah, I, I, I see how you were able to experience that internally. What about externally when you are honoring your identity? I'm Nigerian American. I'm both, right? But then you're experiencing other people, other communities, friends, um, teachers, whatever yeah. the case is. Like, yeah. did you ever feel like in one circum in one circumstance I need to be more of this or less of this yeah. or that's always the yeah. You know, you just made me think of something.
0: So when I when I moved back to the states uh, and did senior year of high school and then university, especially in senior year of high school, mm. um, it was a very uh, interesting period in my life because I think people there had not been so exposed to somebody who was coming from Nigeria or from Africa, and I would get uh, silly questions like, "Oh, you know, how did you get here?" You know. And, you know, me being the sarcastic person in the world, I'd be like, oh, I swan, You know, and, oh, like, do you guys have to like, wrestle? And i was like, yeah, I wrestled a lion for my man who would Like, I, I just, I just play. You you play know, into if, it. if you ask me a silly question, I'll give you an answer, you know, that you're looking for, so. But did that hurt? Um, I think I've always just been a, a very determined person. And I just always... You know, I take my lumps on my chin and I just keep going because I, I had a, a strong sense of self and where I wanted to go. Um, and I just saw all of those times as times that build up your character, you know. Even then? Even then. Um, I think, you know, there are people who had gone, my sister had gone before me to the States and I heard of the things that she dealt with and, and some of the struggles that she had. So I kind of had that mindset that no matter how bad it is, no matter how tough you know, things are, I'm going to make it out of this and I'm going to make something of myself. So I would internalize a lot of the trials and the tough times and just use it as fuel, and use it as fuel, and use it as fear. Use it as fear. Um, and I wanted to spare my parents, especially my mom, because I've seen her, you know, process the emotions of having a child leave home and be so far away where you have limited influence over the challenges that, that she's going through. So I didn't want her to go through the same, Kind of emotional, the one, the one,
2: the did you ever get to express yourself emotionally later? Or where did you, where was your outlet during the time? Mm-hmm. Because at that time, you're sacrificing and saving your parents, which a lot of us do. That's yeah. also, I feel like it's almost rooted in the Nigerian culture in some Right? Yeah, some probably, probably, you know, like trying to shield them and protect them, and yeah. it happens so early. Yeah. At least, yeah. I think. What you try to find
0: along the way is just kindred spirits, just other people who you can connect with. I think it's really important to not do life in isolation, because I think things become so much harder if you have nobody to talk to. Um, so for me, luckily for me, my sister was there, my older brother came at the same time as I did. Even though we were in different places, there was at least somebody there. Um, and then I reconnected with my old friends, my best friend, till today, who you met, my business partner. Yeah, We've been best friends since we were 13 years old. And luckily for me, we were both in upstate New York. So there was always that opportunity for us to connect and, you know, spend, hang out, you know, with him and his siblings or on holidays or whatever. Just, you know, you find the friends and, you know, sometimes distant relatives, just people who Kind of you come from the same background, you know what you guys are all through, yeah, yeah. and that, that ends up becoming your outlet
2: for um, just the things that you First of all, having a friend that you've been friends with since you're 13 oh, yeah, it was, takes so much massive. growth, massive, and like it's so impactful and amazing. Massive. But at the same time, you are in your 40s now, yeah. So the transition from 13 to your 40s is a lot, and mm-hmm. I'm assuming. I mean, that's a big part of how you became you, because they don't, they always say, show me your friends, I'll show you who you are, right? So what relationship to you has taught you the most about communication? The has taught me the most about communication. I'd
0: say two. Um, one would be my best friend, who you mentioned, because we've, we've grown up together. I mean, we're, we're looking at almost 30 years of, of being a part of right? So so there's that. But I, I'd say... Even probably, maybe even slightly more than that, has been my wife in marriage. Because you know, you come into a relationship or a marriage with all of the baggage that you both have with your way of doing things and her way of doing things and your way of communicating, her way of communicating, your way of getting angry, her way of getting angry, your way of showing love, her way of showing love, just the differences in love languages, the temperament, and just life experiences, and I think that what marriage is—the marriages that work um, come from two people who decide to intentionally work on each on themselves, yeah. or because you found somebody that's worth working for. Mm-hmm. Um, because nobody's perfect, right? And so it's not about perfection; it's about progression. So it's about finding somebody that you're willing to fight for and work for. And for me, and I'm not trying to be you know, preachy or you know, pastoral, but I think just having God at the center of that just makes it work so much better. Um, so, for instance, with my wife, you know, she, one thing she doesn't like is shouting. Right? She just mm-hmm. doesn't. She doesn't respond to shouting. It's like we could be arguing about something. The minute you start shouting, <laughs> the, the point of the shout changes. From what the point of the argument was to the fact that you are shouting at <laughs> me, so you are already lost, okay? Um, and but I grew up in a family where you know if Arsenal is playing, we're shouting; if yeah. the Super Eagles are playing, we're shouting; right. if i is playing, we're shouting. Like yeah. I grew up, we were very. But sure. yeah, she, you know, she she grew she grew up in a circumstance where it was just her and her mom, so she wasn't used to that noise, you know, and for her that's. I mean, immediately that happens, you know, she shuts down. Sure. So I had to learn to say, okay, if I I can communicate the way I want, or the way I'm used to, but if I want her to hear me, then I have to change that, you yeah. know, and I learned about love languages. I didn't used to believe in all like that, you know, when it was coming up as a reckless single man. <laughs> Wait, because, reckless reckless and reckless single man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, as we, you know, you're doing premarital counseling in church and you know, you're prayerfully trying to learn how to make this thing work. And and I learned that my love language is acts of service. That's how I that's how I showed that I care and that's how I showed that I love you, is I'll try to do things for you. So even when I was, you know, out, you know, turning up before I ever settled down, when we go to the club, I'm here, making sure everybody has a drink in their cup. Or do you need to use the bathroom? Or do you have something to drink? Are you okay? I'm, 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 I'm the acts of service guy, right? And so, but my wife, on the other hand, her um, love language is um, quality time and words of affirmation. But quality time is the, is the main one; it's the dominant one. And so, for instance, in 2019, when I was running for office and running the businesses and doing a bit of music and and doing community service, and so I was doing all of these things. Mm-hmm. And especially when you're on the campaign trail, the one thing you don't have is all the time. Yeah. So you know, we would. There was, a, there was a period. I told this story before, where you know, where there was a bit of tension. I mean, for people who've been in relationships, you know, when there's like tension, where it's not like, like there, there's not been anything said, or it wasn't like Ooh, somebody did right. something, but there's just the air is a bit. It's tense. a bit tense. Yeah. Honestly, it's a bit tense and cold. Yeah. Excuse me. And um, I remember then very clearly. That's I a was, hard time to communicate. I was getting frustrated because I was like, I'm on the campaign trail. I'm doing community service. I'm running the business. But I'm still coming home to cook for you and waking up in the morning to make sure you have breakfast and going to the grocery store and just doing things that I love doing because that's how I show that I love you. But, you know, the air was intense, and, you know, but just was getting cold, and you know, that's when the devil get in your ear and I'll be like, oh, she doesn't appreciate you. I mean, look how much you're killing yourself. And she doesn't even care. Nah, that's enough. And then this one day I'm, I'm getting ready. I just about had it. I was like, you know what? When she feels like, you know, throwing the ice, and talking to me, look, on am yeah. right now, I don't, I don't say Like in my general words, yeah, I don't say that, I <laughs> But um, we're getting ready and I, I remember I was, it's getting ready. And I feel like I heard God say to me, but you know you're speaking different languages. Mm-hmm. It's like somebody arguing in Hebrew and the other person arguing in Greek. And you're both getting more frustrated that you're not understanding what's wrong or what, yeah. what's upsetting me, and, but you're speaking different languages. And then I remember love languages. You know about this. I love languages for the time. And that's the one thing you haven't been able to do. So, in all of the things you're trying to save the world and be there for the family and provide and that, you're not giving her the one thing that lets her yeah. know that you love. Mm-hmm. So, in her mind, it's like, man, no, this guy doesn't really love me anymore. Mm-hmm. So, that day I, I was in the bathroom and I called my office. I said, hey, I'm going to be late. So, move my schedule by like four or five hours, whatever it was. And I took my tie and my shirt and I just went back into the and got into bed and held her. And she just started laughing. Because she was just like all the tension and the bad air, everything just melted. Because in that moment, I showed her that, hey, you know, I know this is what what means something to you, and I'm willing to sacrifice other things to do that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what marriage teaches you if you are willing to try, mm-hmm. and if you're willing to learn, and if you're willing to listen, mm-hmm. and if you're willing to, to pull in the work. And, you know, we're both very perfect pe- people. Was you know paying what you know we have in the center and we're able to do these things and you know every year we get a better thing that we get. What story? Wow, what's yeah. your
2: language? Access service. Okay. 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 And that, how, how did you communicate that to your wife? Oh, my! I'm a
0: I'm an active service guy. I I I do the cooking in the house. I do the you know the grocery shopping. I you know anything that we need in the house, I'll go get it. Find the person who's going to fix it. Anything that's you know anything that's service related, um, I try to do because that's how I show. So that's how you show, and how you receive. It's how I receive. Um, I also like um physical touch, which I didn't used to, but it's. Crazy that um the year that we were getting married, I um so I never used to be a cuddler or anything like that, but the year that we were getting married, I had my third battle with scam. And, and I had to have a, this major surgery, I had, I had to have a couple of surgeries to, to properly deal with it. And you know, in the post-surgery recovery, you, you really can't move. I mean you're all strapped up for you know weeks at a time. And because I was so limited in motion, I started drawing strength and just being able to sit next to my wife and just, you know, our hands are touching, our feet are touching. And, and just that period of just being able to depend on somebody and, and draw strength and love and encouragement from just that touch made physical touch like such a big thing for me. Wow. That now. I'm 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 soft. <laughs> you know, I'm a soft light guy, you know. I I we.
2: Really, I love you know, soft light.
0: <laughs> but at the end of the day, my leg was touching. Something. Right, right. I some kind of physical contact. Yeah. I all of a sudden become that guy, which yeah. I never thought that I was. Yeah. But I think also when you um when you find somebody that you're. Willing to try to do life with, you learn things about yourself. Right, they they help you find things that you didn't even know were there. You discover things um, emotionally, physically, sexually. You you discover things that turn you on, things that you like, things that you don't like. And and I think that's part of the beauty of it is just being willing to explore to do that um, to do things. Were you afraid
2: of any of those discoveries?
0: Um. No, I think it'd be pretty fun. Mm. Um, it'd be pretty fun. I remember when we I, I I'll keep this a bit say when we were you know when we just started um when we just got married and you, know, uh, you know doing what married people do. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, she was, she asked me once, she's like, What's your spot? Like, you mm-hmm. know, you know, what's your spot? I was like, I don't know, I, I just, like to, just like to do what married people do. You know, I I didn't I didn't know that I had a spot. Actually, I it. love it. And I then just over time, we discovered it. And the spot is like a light switch. Yeah. Hallelujah. Song. <laughs>
2: yes.
0: So, but, but, you know, I, I would never have known because I just, you know, I mean, when you're living young and reckless, right, yeah. you just just doing a do. Like, there's no, it's, it's a lot more lust than love. But yeah. I think love helps you discover things. And, and it's, I think that's the beauty of it.
2: Do you think in, first of all, you identified it as a reckless single man phase, right? Do you think everyone is entitled to a reckless single phase and needs that in order to, to be in a marriage a little bit more wholeheartedly or I think there's not- a danger with the reckless
0: single phase where there's a level of addiction that you can kind of fall into that makes being married harder, not easier. And so I think that you have to be careful with it because you can quite easily slip into a place where you're addicted to promiscuity or pornography or both, and those things are very very difficult to fight and to come out of, and to be able to be committed to somebody that you truly love and you truly care about. So while I don't um I don't want to come off as a prude, I think. It's healthier to not be completely reckless. Um, it's healthier to wait for who God created you to be with, and then discover life with that person and have all the fun that we want, you know, in, in the confines of the healthy marriage, as opposed to saying, "Oh, you know, I'm going to go to carnival sunrise," which I did. But I knew the demons that I had to battle, mm-hmm. and, the, and the wars that I had to fight, to even internally in myself, to be able to come out from that, and, and to be able to an um, angry relationship. It's not, it's not the easiest thing in the world. Right? So I think young men and women have to be careful um, what you allow yourself to be exposed to. I mean, something which you know you may casually think is harmless, like what? right? It's, you think, ah, you know, I'm not sleeping around, I'm not catching any SCDs, I'm not getting anybody pregnant. I'm just, you know, just me by myself, you know, every once in a while can easily become a thing of bondage where it now, you know, uh, negatively affects your life going forward, you know? especially when you because am porn you're seeing a different woman every 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. Right, and then now you want to spend the rest of your life with one person mm-hmm. you, know, you, know, you, know, you have to process, you don't know, have to fight, you don't know, have to pray your way through it to, and all of that. And studies have shown it's just as addictive as drugs. Yeah. You know, when you are your brain stress and so I think I would I I would lean on the side of saying without know, being overly preachy, I'm not trying to force my own spiritual beliefs on people. I think people do have to be careful of what they expose themselves to and the road that they on, Because the further you go down that road, the
2: longer it is it's a journey mm-hmm. so to journey you back. So yeah, have a check. It. I love that you just brought that up because I don't necessarily think it's about being preached or specific to spiritual, like spiritual, let's say one spiritual life. I think it's a spiritual thing regardless, yeah. right? And yeah. so however you decide to experience God on this planet, yeah. I still think how we experience our bodies, how we experience people, how we... Yeah. I mean, this is a heart thing we're talking about, right? And we're not talking about the physical way to do the heart thing. Yeah. And that can be very impactful on our lives. And yeah. so I I just definitely didn't expect to talk about that, but I'm so excited because I don't think we talk about it enough. I think especially in my generation, we're very much on like, be free, be open, be this. And that's that's really great to an extent in yeah. my opinion. And I think it's nice to share to just hear how you feel like for someone who was like, yeah, I was open. And I also think that could have been easier to not be. Yeah. Yeah, and so even I mean, as a man, you're saying it's not particular to men or women, you're saying it's both. Absolutely. Uh, I, think, I think, I mean, <clears throat> I think that it's
0: unfortunate that we have double standards in society. That's a whole conversation on its own. But I do think, especially in today's world, that we have to have this same level of conversations and frankness with men and women because they're both getting exposed to all kinds of things. And especially from a much younger age now been, there were some stories I don't know how much you wrote but there was a story in the Nigerian news media about these kids in like, secondary school, which is like G9, just what they had got up to and I don't get I into the specifics of it but it's clear that kids these days are exposed to a lot more um, there's so much they can stumble on. Just open your phone. Yeah. Are you eighteen? Yes. Yeah. Right. Right. You know, it, you know, it's not. It's not hard to access. Yeah. I think the temptations are the same. The access has just become a lot easier. So for for men and women, for boys and girls, we have to have these, frank conversations, um, and hopefully get. I'm learning as I go. I got a two-year-old son, right? So I don't even know what age do I start having these conversations. A <laughs> the friend of mine um, and his wife, we were, we were visiting them in the New Year, and they have a daughter that's four years old, four or five years old, and they were telling us how they had to have conversations with her about what's a bad word, you know, what's this, what's that, because everywhere they turn, it's there. You know, it's in the music, it's in the film, it's in the videos, it's everywhere. You know, your daughter is four or five years old, she's very impressionable. And her favorite artist might be an artist that, you know, is a bit sexual in nature. So you have to, you know, do all you can to navigate that space. And I'm prayer, my my wife and I are prayerfully um, trying to figure out, you know, how do you, because you're not going to be with your child every in every minute of the day and they don't go to school and like, my son started school today by the way. Mm. I'm very excited
2: about it. Congratulations. I yes. Cry, not cry. He did very good.
0: I mean he he in the beginning we just walked in, um, you know, the kids were in an assembly and they were like and he was like, whoa. I, mean,
2: <laughs> I can say no, 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 no.
0: So he was holding on to to my neck for dear life. Aww. But he didn't like he didn't lose it. He just kind of was a bit hesitant and then but eventually he wound up to it. And, and according to the teachers, he didn't really. He gave him a few notes. You want to do this? No. <laughs> no. But he didn't He didn't like music. So, no.
1: Hi, everyone. Jazzy Bell here from Women in Hip Hop Podcast. And if you're a fan of music, then be sure to check out and subscribe to Women in Hip Hop Podcast, a show that focuses on the many talents and influences from women within the culture. And is brought to you exclusively by Revolt Podcast Network, anchored in hip hop, powered by creators.
2: The boundaries
0: already, yeah. Hey, just, just, like I'm good, I'm gonna be. He's very assertive, yeah. He, yeah, they say you have to be careful what you pray for because we prayed for all of this, and now it's here. And it's like, Zaya, like, no,
2: boy, if you don't, if you don't, <laughs> oh my so, god, so first day of school, we're very excited. Uh, congratulations, that's so yeah. special, and I. I I love hearing the different transitions you've made throughout your life, as well as seeing what what your parents experienced, mm-hmm. how it's trickled down you as a parent, mm-hmm. how we just identify some of the things that, as young people, we talk about. But you are like, okay, guys, like I'm a little older now, and I can say, all of it yeah. doesn't really need to be said. Yeah. I really want to hone in on that because I think that's something that I just really don't think it's talked about enough, mm-hmm. and I want. You know, part of human and human is, is just being able to impact people to be healthier mm-hmm. in all ways, mm-hmm. right? In their communication, and their interpersonal relationships, and their in their self-love and themselves. So I just want to identify and acknowledge what you just spoke about because I don't think that was light, and I appreciate you sharing. Mm-hmm. You've also talked a lot about the different identities that you hold. You are a father, you're a son, you are a husband, you are a musician, you are a businessman, you are in politics, as we speak. We can go on and on. But I've also heard you talk about how you don't necessarily hold to titles, mm-hmm. but you still carry them. Mm-hmm. So which one of your titles right now is serving your inner childhood? I don't know if you would. And maybe because I'm not so big
0: on titles, um, it'd be hard to hone to hold into one title. I think what it is for me is the fact that I get to do what I want to do for a living because I think many people wake up every day and hate their jobs. And they hate having to go to work. And, you know, they, they hate the grind of the day-to-day life. And you know, I think that's very tough on a lot of people. I think, honestly, the, the vast majority of the people um, probably don't really like what they ended up having to do for a living. And mm-hmm. sometimes you just have to make those decisions. So I consider myself extremely blessed and extremely fortunate that I wanted to be a musician, I wasn't a musician. I wanted to be an actor, I wasn't a actor. I wanted to um, be a filmmaker, you know, create movies and create content and create art. And when I was in secondary school, I was the head of the debate team. I loved speaking to people. I loved debating. And that's what I'm doing as a politician. And community service has always been a big thing for me, you know, just serving, so being a part of something that's bigger than yourself. And I do that in service to the community, through service in church. And I'm just really fortunate because I think I'm one of the small percentage of people who have just, just been blessed enough to do what you want to do, really, mm-hmm. and have and, and you know, enough money to take care of yourself and take care of your family. I think, you know, and then and then having that sense of meaning and purpose where you feel like God created you for something specific mm-hmm. and you're chasing that. Mm-hmm. And that means everything. Mm-hmm. You can't put a price on that knowing in your heart that man, this is what God made me to do. Yeah. Um, and I think for me that's you know, everything that I do now, I was somewhat attracted to and passionate about as a child. You know, From starting with film, music, um, business, I was always very entrepreneurial from speaking, from helping, from serving, for everything that I do now as a politician, as a musician, as a filmmaker, as a businessman, as, a, as an entrepreneur, as a servant of the community. I can trace back to my plan as a teenager and just carry about it and be passionate about it at that time. Today. And I think that's what I'm pray for. you know um again i come back to what i said earlier it's not so much about money as it is about meaning and i think that i found meaning in life Mm -hmm. and that's really great i'm
2: happy for you that's so good now the thing about finding meaning in life is that there are a lot of steps. Mm-hmm. Right. So right now we're saying banking in this version, we can speak to the gratitude of oh, your journey. Yeah, right. Yeah. But we know going through skin cancer three times, yeah, or being robbed, yeah, yeah. or moving, yeah, or having to yeah, figure out your Nigerian American experience or not living with your family. Yeah. All of these things are steps to figure out how to find that All right. We and I'm I'm only saying that because as people are listening, I want them to hear both parts of the journey. I want them to hear. Oh my God, I can be happy doing what I want and I can follow my dreams, but these are the commitments it takes to follow. Mm-hmm. So can we identify? I don't know if you have any specific stories you can definitely share, but if there's oh that right. Dirty, right. <laughs> never one do you because it's like oh, yeah. there's a lot of things to take to go ahead and say, I followed it and then it worked. Yeah. Because before it worked, it didn't work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. there's a couple of times you can talk about that didn't. Work. Mm-hmm. And then she thought maybe I should give up. Maybe so it, and that's where I want people to feel, mm-hmm. hey, there is that story that you're gonna think, like, oh, I can I should just make a left but mm-hmm. keep on right. Mm-hmm. You didn't know that going right was gonna get you here, but you chose to. What made you choose to? I believe that great destinies. I learned this
0: a long time ago. Um, great destinies require great character. But character cannot be prayed into you. Character can only be built. And it can only be built when you go through difficult circumstances that like build up your character and build up your faith and just you find the strength to keep going. Um, and honestly, that's been testimony to me. Um, it's just when those tough times have come, Somehow, if you know, I'm still alive after at the, at the end of it then you know you know I'm stronger or wiser or better off for it. so you talk about experiences you know you, you mentioned you know the one where I got robbed. so I moved back so I came to Nigeria in 2007. And at the time just kind of my sister was getting married so I came to help out with the wedding, but I took some time off of work. I just wanted to see what the scene was like. Mm-hmm. And then I went back in Valentine's Day 2008, shortly before that, I quit with the job like sounds moving back here. But you know, in um especially for anybody who's in entertainment, you start getting a little bit of fame way before you get any kind of fortune.
2: Oh, so, say that again. You know, I need to remember. The
0: fame, <laughs> the fame comes way before the fortune. And so once people start seeing you back then on TV and they start seeing a video, they start knowing who you are, and your life becomes so much more expensive just because people know who you are. That you're not yet making any kind of money to, to, to keep up with that. So that 2008 year was extremely difficult. I remember at the time, two my best friend's older brother, who was also in the business partner at the time, I was kind enough to let me stay in his house. So I always had something to see. I always had you know a meal to eat and I'm, I'm so thankful to him and his wife for that. But it was a difficulty here, you know, like nobody's really paying you to come anywhere and see no, you know, <laughs> you're, just, you're, just there, you know you're, you're arriving at the event early before the bouncers start preventing people from coming inside. You know, you're like,
2: I Some conventions. Listen, like, why don't you gotta, what you
0: gotta do? My God, yeah. Uh, so at the time, you know, I was finding, I was dying, And then as the year progressed, I had spent everything that I'd saved from my job on you know, videos and photo shoots and, you know, on air personalities and DJs and trying to promote the music. And nothing was really, you know, taking hold. And I remember I was getting really, really depressed and sad that this thing that I dreamt about just wasn't working. It just wasn't working. Um, and it got to the point where I was now borrowing money. I say borrowing, but I was really never paying back. But I was borrowing money from Shenu, the like, you know, borrowing five thousand naira every week to put a little bit of gas in a foil in the car that he lent me. Um he had a small knockabout about car that he wasn't using. And also to just buy like airtime on the phone so I could go out and try and push me music. And I remember at the end of the 2008 year I Went to church for the overnight service. Cross-over. The crossover service. and I prayed to God and I said, God, you know, 2009 has to be the year. You know, this thing has to work. I feel like I'm where I'm meant to be, but you know, nothing is, is planning. And I was, you know, I was struggling. And I was leaving the crossover service and I got accosted by Ambrovers who, you know, Took me, roughed me up, put me in the back of my car, and basically kidnapped me and drove me around to rob other people. and you know, there's a gun in my face. And that story is on the internet. It is. So but
2: just people, hearing you like express it, it, like
0: so people can go on and but it was it was one of the worst nights of my life.
2: Oh.
0: And you know, I'm sitting there and they say you're about to themselves, you know, So we went and they they robbed another car, and I'm starting to think that you know, the police come, they'll open fire. On us. I see the five, the of us They say they killed five us. They don't know one of us is a hostage. Okay. So then I heard them say to themselves that, mm-hmm. yes, uh, the guy who was driving said to the one who was sitting, to the guys who were sitting beside me, because I was in the middle of somebody else, running, and they all strapped up. And I shouldn't be saying this on TV, on revolt, because then now you're going to scare people off from coming to Nigeria. It's fine. <laughs> you see? It's not that bad it was a bad experience but it's really
2: you see what you made me No, I didn't. We're we're from i'm here we're here guys it is it's fine, fine. It's but dangerous ca- things happen, happen everywhere Let's things. Like, listen everywhere.
0: listen yeah okay so he so he says to me in back, are you done let's take him to Ajahn and kill him there so up until that point, I was like, you know, you feel like you're having an out-of-body, the, the shock, you're just kind of watching what is going on. You feel like you're watching yourself. Right, right. But when I heard that, I was like, okay, no. You know, we're going okay. to have some <laughs> conversation. We, this is not how this story is going to end. So so I um I snapped out of it, and I started trying to appeal to the guys in the back so you like you know, you know, big bro. Sky probably was my age, right? So I said, you know, like the thing, like, I said, I you big, but I to do that. I said, like, shut up, shut up, I'll shoot you here. So I said, well, And he goes, oh. I know, and then I said to him, because, I you mean know, I said at the time, a little bit of fame comes from the fortune. So yeah. I say saying to him, like, oh, well you know me, you know me. Look at my face, you know me, recognize me. And he says, "From where?" I said, oh, "I'm a musician." He Says you're yeah, a musician. I said, "Yes." He said, "On local, like what song did you sing?" I said, ah. "I said any the singles I had released that year." I said, uh, "I said uh, the Meta uh, and capable. I said, "Oh, well, Mr. Kable." I used to go by Mr. Kable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I said, "You don't know Mr. Kable." He's like, no, no, I know Mr. Kable." I said, "I'm Mr. Kable." He's like, "Mr. Kable." He's like, "Yeah." He's like, "Okay, sing, sing." I'm i like, so I start singing in the car. This is Well, he's got a gun in my face. Best pre-show I've ever done in my life. And then, so he's like, you know You know, they're all a bit drunk, though. You know, so, so you can kind of see in the drug filled haze and he starts into it. And at some point, I'm just like, you know what? I don't need to be talking to this guy. I don't need to be talking to God. Because, you know, this. this I went to church. <laughs> and I Stop back. You know, I was coming from a, brother, like, we need to discuss this. So and that's when you remember the, the prayers your mom teaches you, right? So I started saying Psalm 91, which is a prayer for protection that like, you, know, you know, years I just saying, and then I get to that see and then I start So what happened after the
2: singing?
0: I just started praying. I just put my head down and started praying. Okay. And then he goes, and then he noticed me, he goes, Mr. Kebupu, the and I look up, and he says, what about it, like, calm down, calm down, we're not going to do you." I just went back, I do We should have to So eventually, um, he kind of gets into a back of the driver. and says, no, one am to take the train. let's go to this place. The driver going to drive into some completed building area that was like a lot of things are the construction and they over and he goes do you want your car? I said no you can have it. I just you know because by then they've taken my the money, the phones, like, cap and the shoes like they've just you know, done what it they need to you do. Know. So he goes no, no, no not worry that we can I'm not going so to can't keep from I didn't want to turn around to look for the key in the system because I didn't want him to shoot me in the back of the head. So I started to turn back up you know, to keep them in sense. And then he goes to me, my wife goes, I told you to you can kind going. And I still became into him. If you want me to make noise here, I can make My sister, so like, oh. I told I said, wait, do you do you think? Think? let me. Yeah, I don't know why I'm here, talking with it. So, and so I drive home, oh. you know, obviously having spent the light you know, our, it's just, Going through this horrid experience. And um, I saw Sherman with me and it was like, hey, let's that thing because you didn't get shots, so you know, they are still fine. Right. And then the next day, the caretaker of Shadow's house, his son, who we normally send on errands, took my car because you know, it was New Year's Day, nobody was going anywhere. Took my car, got drunk. This same car that I got robbed day. Scaled over and got up and lugged the car in the neighbor's wall. Mm-hmm. So now my only means of transportation is different. I'm broke, I'm depressed, I've just been robbed, I've just been standing on the bottom of the car, the car is essentially totaled. And this is January 2nd. This was January 1st, uh, yeah, January 1st, 2009. And I was just like, what kind of And then you start hearing, you know, when your mom was telling you, don't go to Nigeria, stay here. So you start hearing, replaying all of those conversations like, man, who sent me (laughs) to come and say, I want to do all of this? Um, But thank God, um, after that, you know, I I tell, whenever I tell the story, I always try to make sure that I say, the good thing about hitting rock rock bottom Mm -hmm. is you know that there's nowhere else to go. So if you've hit rock bottom, then it's not such a bad thing because yeah. you know, as if you hit rock bottom and you don't die, then live another day and try again and just fight again. And and, you know, God bless everyone to the end. That's why I said we can't do life in isolation. You need to have that you can talk to. Well, you know, we picked up the pieces and we said, Okay, you know, the last album last year didn't work. So if but we did go back in the studio and you know we check borrow money to pay for a producer and I worked with Co-Bans and Sasuku, who is just an amazing, amazing, amazing friend and brother and producer like But then it was you know, one of the first things I was working with. But we started making songs like Lagos Party and Strong Team. Songs would did what I was telling you before, which is infusing Nigeria yeah. into R and B or pop or whatever. And, the rest is history. And we went from there. We had a bit of success, finally. And then I set up the label and then we found some artists and some producers, DJs, and a sound engineer, you know, executives, people who have now gone on and done so much more than I ever could have dreamed of. Yeah, But it all came back to that moment of character building to say, do you doing in the towel now? Or do you? fight a bit more. Sometimes that's all that separates people who make it from those who don't, people who live their dreams from those who don't. Just the ability to find some way to keep hoping and to keep trying and to keep believing um, and to just
2: not give up on yourself and what you think that God has placed inside of you to do. I purposely wanted us to bring that up so that we discuss, again, both sides of this coin because every time people see somebody in success and they think, how can you relate to it because you're successful. And I just really think it's important to connect the human experience, to connect how many parts of the experience get us to that next part. And so again, I think just sharing both sides, again, you're so beautiful in your gratitude, but you also were beautiful in... Okay, God, what's the next step in 2009, 2008? And what's next? Mm-hmm. And even in that moment, even though it didn't feel good then, you still chose to keep going and through a story like that. Mm-hmm. That's a big one. Yeah. That's a big one. Oh, I don't think God. everyone's going to be able to say that. You know, I'm looking through my keys. That's not going to be my story, but mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm grateful you were here to be able to experience the other side of it. Thank you. You're welcome. I'm yeah, you're welcome. So we have a segment on the show called Honest Gems, and I'm going to do a quick Honest Gem. So think rapid fire, but okay. one sentence Okay. Okay. What did they not really tell us about being a multi-hyphenate creator? That you'll be broke for a long time before it works out. Great answer. Yeah. What did they really not tell us about how children change a marriage? What did they not tell us about how children change a marriage?
0: That you have to be intentional about keeping the marriage fresh and beautiful. Because children, um, if you let them, they'll take all the love you have and all your attention that you Ignore your that, So you have to be
2: intentional with that. What do they not tell you about transitions in your career? What I love about your experiences, first of all, you're a very young guy who has experienced multiple titles. I'm just using the titles to say these are different career paths, these are different add-ons. And now you're in a completely different space, which I know you've identified and said that you're leaving music, but is leaving music really mean leaving music or does it mean putting it on hold? Um, so
0: That's a I heard it that... Um, Artists never retire, they just stop when they have anything left to say. And I think that, that resonates with me. So, I don't know that I will ever leave completely. So, and that's the beautiful thing about being a creative you can, even if you're not the person that's going on tour and shooting the music video, you can write, you can release music, you can help somebody else. You know, I'm working with my wife now, she's, she's just starting out on a music and career. So, I don't know that I will ever leave completely and i'll still probably have enough to say just based on the experience that i'm living now and i'll always just do projects like i put out the bank statements last year um, which is a project i truly truly love um so i don't know if i'll ever leave completely but um i do think that like you said life is about seasons mm-hmm. and this is a season of my life where it's clear to me that i'm meant to be in politics. It's clear to me that I'm meant to take these experiences from being a businessman, from being um, an entrepreneur in in film and music Mm and all of these things, and from my education and just my years of experience and the way God has blessed me and opened us with taking that knowledge um, to put it towards our government space Mm -hmm. and trying to do things differently as well as being in government. So So in this season of my life, and I really think for the rest of my life that will take preeminence mm-hmm. over anything else. But that's not to say that those
2: things will be dead and gone. Yeah. It just means that they take a bit of a vaccine as well from this, this So what do they really not tell us about transitioning in your career? What do they not tell you about transitioning? That transitioning
0: can be difficult and beautiful at the same time. Mm-hmm. Difficult and beautiful at the same time. Going into politics is probably the hardest thing I've ever done, and I've done a lot of hard things. But it's also, without a doubt, the most inspiring thing I've ever done. Mm-hmm. So it's not that cut away. That's mixture of know, yeah, highs and lows. Yeah, and, and, all of that.
2: and letting both exist. Yeah. yeah, and being okay with that. yeah. What's the last thing you forgave yourself for for the first time? <laughs> That's an
0: interesting question. The last thing I forgive myself for for the first time, mm-hmm. I think for a lot of my life as an adult, um, in the things that I've kind of found in the, in the spaces that I've found myself in, a lot of times you're the person that people go to for help or advice or assistance. Um, but I think that the more that I've gone into this service to the community space you realize that there's more need than you can ever um, take on and it's very difficult when you're used to being that person but now there's so many people well, if you check my bank statements the most frequent thing you'll see is hardship assistance it's hardship assistance in the hospital fees this that and you do the best you can but i think i had to learn to be okay with not being able to do everything because nobody can do it and i had to almost kind of process forgiving myself and just letting it go to say listen one thing i i can guarantee is that i will always do the best that i can and i'll always give all that i have to give once once that is done i have to be okay with not being able to do certain things and there's sometimes people come to you or something they don't know the headaches and the pain and what you are dealing with and you don't you don't share that right but um being okay with saying hey i'm sorry i just can't i can't right now um and even just something as simple as your schedule you know I, because I, i'm such a like i said i'm such a i'm a community service guy i'm you know certainly i'm a service oriented person i'm an active service person People see that and so people always want to use you or want to work with you or have this project or have this charity or have this or have that. And I used to find it so hard to say, no, I can't, I'm sorry, I'm stretched thin. I used to find it so hard to do that. So I would literally work myself to the point, to the point where I would fall sick because I've just, allowed myself to be pulled in a million different directions. And, I think it, my, and God used my wife to teach me to say, listen, you have to, to learn to say no, you have to learn to make time to rest. And yes, some people may be disappointed because you couldn't do everything, but the world will keep spinning, you know? Yeah. People will find a way, so you, you do the best you can, but you have to make time um, for yourself, for your mental health, for your physical health, and just... I
2: think for me, that's that's probably. The answer. I don't know if I, so, so good. I no, did because that's finding good. out that you can only do so, can really do so much and that your value wasn't trying to be yeah. everything—that's you gotta you gotta yeah. process that. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. gotta process that. I think that was so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Pleasure. Thank you, Wellington, everybody. Yes, ma'am. Yes, wow, wow. Okay. it's been so fun. Thank you much for being part of the family. This is such a beautiful expression of again, identity and transitions. And I think that's a big part of our human experience. And I'm excited that you're able to share your version of that. And I hope that inspires you guys. Thank you so much for watching and make sure you tune in to Human to Human for another episode. See you soon
1: if you enjoyed this episode please subscribe rate leave a review and while you're at it share this with someone you love or just someone you like as long as you share it stay connected between episodes and follow us on instagram at human to human with stacy that's the number two not the word two you can also check me out at one take stace i'm your host Stacey ike and remember curiosity is the pathway to consciousness so let's take the next step together
0: everyone it's dj candy Rain here from the carefree black girl podcast if you're a fan of music entertainment and black women then be sure to check out and subscribe to the carefree black girl podcast a show that covers all things carefree black and girl and it's brought to you exclusively by the revolt podcast network anchored in hip-hop powered by creators